what helped me get out of this, what helped me feel better is the days that come by where you feel like I want to do something. This is enough of this. Feel that frustration, just being so tired of it. Don't kill yourself. Seize those days and do something with them. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, we are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. Now, We are talking about suicide, so this may not be a good fit for everybody right now. Please take that into account before you listen. I do hope you listen because there's so much to learn. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. As always, huge thanks to every attempt survivor who has joined me here on this podcast to talk and share with our audience. And special thanks to our audiences as well. Wherever you are, how often you listen, thank you. Today I am talking with Dave. Dave lives up in Massachusetts and he is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey Dave, what's going on? Not a lot. Just uh, enjoying the last few days of summer vacation as they slowly slip away from me. <laughs> yes. Ditto, man. Ditto. Curious. Where, where do you live? Um, I live in East Hampton, Massachusetts. It's right outside of Springfield, about a 20-minute drive into there. That's where everyone goes to do stuff. That's where the casino is. Oh, there's uh, a casino up there, huh? Uh, yeah. MGM opened one like last year, I think. And then they just sold it, I believe. Got you. Apparently, the Springfield business model was not what they were looking for, is what, is what it seems like. So let's dive in, man. What, um, what compelled you to reach out to me? This is a podcast that is primarily centered on uh, suicide attempt survivors. And uh, why'd you reach out? I'm glad you did, but I'm so, curious. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's definitely an experience that I wanted to have. And this is definitely something I wanted to, you know, get off my chest after like, you know, I've been to therapy. I wasn't talking about it. I've talked to my friends, but I kind of skirted around it. And I think maybe it's something that has to be a bit more broad than just, oh, you know, I tried to kill myself at one point. I was a big fan of the show. I listened to it on Spotify all the time. It's one of my top listened ones. Oh, I believe it showed up in my Spotify replay as well. So that's another big achievement on the wall of fame. You were on David's replay this year. Awesome, man. That's definitely I up there. Yeah, 100%. So listening to other people share their stories was definitely something that empowered me to want to share it instead of just thinking like, oh, okay, this is thing that happened. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to run away from it forever. I'm going to close the door behind me, go down the hall hide in the room and then just not think about it ever again. But I can't do that because it is something that happened and it is part of my life now. And there are things that are left behind from it. So I think it's best just, you know, face it and look at it in the eye and say, well, I didn't die. So screw you. Right. Yep. All right. So one attempt, uh, one attempt, mm-hmm. there was one attempt. So it was back when I was in eighth grade 
eighth grade, yeah. I feel like it's a pretty common timing for this kind of thing. It's when you're developing and, you know, middle school, is, it's hell. Let's be real. Yeah, middle school is probably one of the worst times. And they say high school is worse. And sometimes it is. But I think in comparing it aspect to aspect, it's middle school is by far the worst. Yeah. You're getting way more homework. You're doing way more group projects. You're all awkward as hell. You're not getting along with everyone that you want to get along with and such. And I definitely wasn't. Mm. So on the day of, I had basketball practice after school and I, I did that pretty much every day. I was basketball player. I did three sports for the school a year round. I was a pretty big student athlete at the time. And the school I played for at the time, it was like a tiny school, a graduating cast of 30 kids. Like that's how this is, how small this school is. I don't go there anymore. I transferred to a school a little closer to me. It's like right down the road now, instead of having to go a half hour out of my way. The culture there was just like, you know, school cultures aren't usually good. Like with the way that people interact there, it's not the most awesome of interactions all the time, but this was like exceptionally bad. In my opinion, it's the type of school where like bullying and, you know, multiple levels, whether it's cyber, physical, verbal, all that kind of stuff is it's rampant and there's no actual efforts like to prevent it or stop it unless it's like directly in front of a teacher. Mm -hmm. Like if there's a report about it, there was never anything actually done about it. And it was never like really implemented until like the parents got involved and they sent an email to the school like, like what is this why mm -hmm. is this happening and you guys aren't doing anything at that point they're kind of obligated to so i think at that case it was just they did what they were obligated to but nothing above or beyond like my counselors there were generally helpful but it wasn't the kind of support that everyone needed sure i think a lot of stuff flew under the radar that, yeah like you know at that point kids were just like i'm fine with it this sucks but i guess i'm just gonna have to get through with it even if it really hurts which is what i ended up doing i was mm -hmm. just kind of like no one's going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. Like, what could I do about it? I mean, there are things I could do about it. But at that point, like, I'm, I'm deep in a hole of like depression and anxiety. And I didn't think I could do anything about it. So I didn't even try. Can we go back for a sec? You said so you're about 14 at this time. Yeah, around that age. And you had said you were dealing with you mentioned the school culture. Then you threw out those words, depression and anxiety. So these are always tough parts of this conversation. But that's course. something you were dealing with from a, as far as back as you can remember. So. I don't like saying I am depressed. Mm -hmm. I feel like saying that is kind of form fitting the person that I want to be and that I can be with the disease that's killing me. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's a good idea to say that. So I always try not to say that. But at the time, I was definitely going through a period of I don't feel like taking care of myself. I am uncontrollably sad for no reason at all the time. And there's a lot of pressure in my life, like keeping my grades up to, you know, allow myself to play sports, which are kind of the only release that I had. And that's where the anxiety came in of, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'm going to fail this test because did I study enough? Did I look at my grades to check to make sure that I'm passing all my classes? Those kind of things just built up. And that's where like it got a lot heavier. Like things were just crushing down and down and down on me. Mm -hmm. And that's where the depression anxiety aspect came in of, I'm just worthless now because I can barely keep my grades up. I can barely study the right way that other people can. I have always had an organizational disorder that made it hard to keep things like straight for me. You know, like I'd lose my homework. So my grades would go down. I'd forget to do things. So my grades would go down. And that was always a struggle. But I wasn't letting myself use that as a reason like that I was having trouble because I was like, oh, this is nothing. I'm just worthless overall. That's just a tiny part of it. Right. I was kind of taking that and not letting it be anything that would let me receive the help that I needed, like special accommodations or anything like that. 
I was like, I don't need a 504 plan because I'm just worthless. The problem isn't my disorganizational disorder. I just suck as a person is what I was saying to myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was probably going on repeatedly or often, day yeah. after ongoing. It, it became a cycle of, you know, my grades are going down. I can't do anything about it. I'm useless. Grades are going down again. I can't do anything about it. I'm useless. Just kept going and going and going. And how many people in your life in person or online or whatever format do you tell about? Do you talk to about this? I express when I have negative thoughts to people. I feel like if I'm going to have a real connection with someone, then they have to see me at my lowest sometimes. But I try and phrase it in a way that's not, I have clinical depression. I try to phrase it as I have my low points, but then I will also get back to my high points when I'm ready to, or when the time comes for that. So when you're 14 in eighth grade, and um, you're going through all of this, does anybody have a sense that Dave might be in some serious trouble here? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think that to everyone else, it was just, he has a disorganizational disorder. He's going to be in a special education class. He's going to try and fix that. It didn't help because that wasn't the issue. The issue wasn't that I had problem learning. It was that I just couldn't keep anything in check whatsoever. Right, right. All right, so what happens... With the actual attempt, what, what take me through that day if you can. So the day of, I had basketball practice, as I was saying before, and I was playing school sports, but they weren't exactly like a passion. They were just kind of an outlet. I wasn't forced into them, but at the end of the day, kind of felt like I was pressured to because that's what was expected of me. You know, I have the build for an athlete. I have the skills to be an athlete. So I kind of have to be an athlete mm-hmm. because that was at the time I was finding like it really hard to fit in with a crowd to find people to be with because that's kind of where I live is with other people. Like I live in friendship. I live in love and all that such things. Like those are the things that I rely on to get my positive energy because I don't have a lot towards myself. Mm -hmm. And so that was rough. And I figured that the best way to get involved with a crowd was by participating in activities. So I did sports. I did sports and I became friends with the sports people, but they weren't good people. It's not like they were bad friends. They listened to me. They were good to me. But their behavior towards like women in our school, like the girls in our class was really inappropriate, Mm -hmm. like pressuring them into nudes and those such things, these things that I just didn't agree with. So I found myself being torn between I don't like their behavior and I don't want to be around it. But who else am I going to be around? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like who else is there that's going to listen to me and take me in like that? Yeah. And that was just really hard. And my identity was having its crisis of like, who am I? What am I doing? What do I want to do? So that became another cycle that was just really bad. Like they were coming to school drunk. And I was like, why are you guys doing that? And they're just like, that's what we want to do. Do you have a problem with it? And I just said, no. I said, no, because that's what's easiest for them to hear and what's easiest for me to get a response to. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to make them mad in any way possible. So I just kind of said, okay. And I let myself kind of be a bystander. And I hated myself for that a lot. Because like some of the girls they were harassing were my friends. And I was like, you guys have to stop this. And that's how our friend group kind of broke apart. And I ended up being on my own again was I was just like, this has to end now. Like you guys can't do this to people anymore. And I feel like that's a decent expectation. But at the time I was just like, so distraught about it that I thought maybe I am way out of the ordinary here for thinking that that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Once wow. again, just falling back mm-hmm. into that cycle. They scared me a lot when they got angry. I mean, th- these are big guys saying things like, I'll just dust you if if you don't agree with us, things like that. Those threats always got worse. And 
this was after this point, after the suicide attempt, a little later on, but I actually did get kicked out of the school from something they tried to do to me. They wow. called the police and said that I was going to shoot up the school as some way of just, I don't know, getting revenge on me for, I had busted them for something. I talked to a counselor about it and they overheard that it was me. And it was just, yeah, that's just something that I don't talk about much, but that is something that happened and something that I have to deal with now of the teachers themselves had put out a paper that said like, we don't think we're safe with him in the school. I don't even know what I did. Uh, All I did was report them for vaping because I wanted them to just uh, get a little lesson of you guys are doing wrong things, you know, which maybe wasn't my decision to make, but I felt like with everything that they were doing, this little bit of it might stop them from harassing people, things like that, that that was just wrong. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Where did where did they come up with this? Because that's such a crazy thing to say. I I know I didn't use that word so loosely, but I mean, isn't that a felony to falsely report something like that? All I knew was that one second I'm in class and the next police officer at the school and they're telling me to come to the office. Wow. And we, we got it sorted out and I had like a dedicated resource officer to talk to. But at the end of that year, I was just like, I, I can't do it here anymore. Everyone looks at me like I'm insane. Everyone looks at me like I'm going to hurt them. Oh, I mean, as I'm walking down the hall that day, I'm getting these looks like everyone knew that this was something that was happening. And I didn't know why, but everyone else did. And but this was after the attempt, right? It was it was way after the attempt. Yeah, it was at the All end right, so of my freshman year. Got it. Got it. Let's just go back for a few moments to the attempt. What happens that day? I'm always curious and maybe I'm weird. I am probably weird. Weird is good. What makes if, that- you're, if you're too normal, <laughs> you scare me. Right. What's so weird, like what's going on that day or that moment that's different? Because, you know, attempting suicide is not an act most people do ever. No, and you were living uh, 14 years and, and maybe really struggling, but you didn't try it. And that day you tried. So do you, do you know what was going on that day? To put it in a more peripheral view, I had been self-harming. I was yeah. already getting some superficial cutting done. That was just like a distraction from feeling just so unbearably bad for, mm-hmm. for no reason whatsoever. School mm-hmm. was stressing me out. Sports was stressing me out. Um, the school was small enough that we were playing at JV level as middle schoolers. And I was really worried about being a disappointment. And I always felt like a disappointment because of that. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had definitely been thinking about suicide a lot of just like, these, this, my life is so bad right now. How can I ever get up from that knowing that high school was even harder? Mm-hmm. And this is something I have to, I'm going to have to go through. Is it really worth, you know, doing another day of this? So I was coming up with thinking of ways to do it. You know, I was thinking, these are ways I could do it. My pain tolerance is always low. So I was thinking enough, nothing more painful than the superficial cuts I was already doing. Like, I can't take anything more than that because at the end of the day, I'm trying to escape the hurt, not make it longer. Yep. So I was just like, okay, we're not going to do anything. Like, we're not going to jump off a cliff. We're not going to crash a car. We're not going to do anything like that. We're not going to step into the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Anything that would, would make it like too long. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that come to mind was to like, just slip my wrists or hang myself. And those were the only things that I could think of. And the hanging myself part was just, impossible because where was I going to get a rope? Where was I going to get a high enough access point to be able to do that? So I just said, all right, that's the only way out for me. So I'd been thinking about it for a few days up until this point, I'd never had a way to do it. I didn't want to do it at home. I was worried about like what the result would be at home, but I didn't want to do it in the school either because how would I get something like that into the school? And I would never even do anything like that. 
I would never bring something like that to school because I've always been worried about getting in trouble at school. Getting in trouble at school has always been one of my biggest fears. Mm-hmm. So to put context to where I am after school, there's this library down the road from our school. I used to go there after elementary school and hang out with people. And that's what I did this day as well. There were a group of people that hung there that were like kind of friends, but more acquaintances. Like mm-hmm. they weren't the type of people who would text me first. I would always have to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. They weren't that tight. And they were there that day. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go hang out with them. They seem busy. So I went down to the basement level where there's like some older books, like biologies, autobiographies, something like that. Books on like scientific topics and the lives of people. It's kind of an unused section. And down there on the counter, there was a serrated steak knife. At this moment, I just thought, what am I doing? Why am I still here? How can I do this anymore? I feel so bad. This is the one chance I'm going to have to do something like this. And so I decided that I was going to do it. And at the time, it just, the pressure was building on me. I was thinking the swarming thoughts about, I'm not good enough at school. I'm not good enough at sports. I'm never going to be good enough. It's only going to get harder. And in that moment, I decided that feeling nothing at all for the rest of my life would be better than to feel this way for even one more day. Mm Mm-hmm. Which something that in hindsight, obviously it's not true at all, but in that one moment, it like made all the sense it needed to for me to try and go through with it. Can't say I remember exactly what was going through my head as I like grabbed the knife or as I was going up to the bathroom to start my task. Probably something like, screw this, I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, the thoughts of someone who's just like in that moment, so emotional and so out of control that they're just like, there's no coherency. There's no reason. There's no logic. just like, screw this, screw this, screw this. I have to go. I have to go now. I can't do this anymore. Those were probably my guess is the kind of thoughts that was going through my head at the time. So I went back up the stairs and I went to the bathroom and I took the knife out and I don't remember the feeling of it. It's been a while now. And I don't remember exactly the process that I went through because I've kind of been trying to scrub it from my memory. It's not something I want to remember in vivid detail. It's not something I want to think about in vivid detail. But I just remember taking it to my left arm and just sawing, just really sawing, like cutting a tree. Mm. And it hurt at first and that stung for a while afterwards. But it eventually, as I kept going, it just it became numbness. I had no idea what I was doing. I was bleeding a lot and I was holding my arm into the sink to just try not to make too much of a mess. You know, I don't want to dirty the the public bathroom. Don't want to do that to people because that was all I was thinking about was other people are better off without me and I'm better off without me. So I did it in four different spots. They're still on my arm now. You can see them. I don't think they're ever going to go away, but that's something that I have to live with. I'm going to get a tattoo to cover it up because I think that I've earned the right to do that. I've earned the right to cover it up now that it's, it's done and it's gone. There's no point in looking back at it as this is something I did. I can say this is something I lived through. Looking back at it as this is something terrible I did to myself. It's not going to get you anywhere. It's better to look at it as this is something think this is another thing that I lived through. This is another day that I woke up in that I thought I couldn't make it through. But here I am now four years later and I'm in like such a better place. It's the way I like to look at it. Yeah. And you get to do whatever the hell you want, man. Right? Exactly. You didn't die. There's no surprise there. But what happens? I mean, you pass out? Did somebody find you? I did not pass out. I wasn't bleeding that much. At some point, I just thought I'm not dead yet. I'm standing up. I'm not dizzy. Yeah, I'm a little sick because I'm looking at my own blood coming out from my arm. At some point, I just knew it didn't work. God damn it. This didn't work. What do I do now? It just it stung like a bitch. And I just kind of wrapped my jacket around it so that it was kind of like stopping the bleeding. I didn't want to bleed anymore. At that point, I was just like, 
just another thing that I failed at. I guess I'll just keep going if I can't even do this right. You just walked home? I did not walk home. I had practice. So this was probably the hardest part was covering it up for practice. You attempted to take your life and within a short period of time, went to what? Basketball practice? Yep. Wow. At that point, I was just so gone. Like I was, I just looked at what I did and I was just like, just another byproduct of living. Hmm. I was so detached from it that I just thought, whatever, man, if the world's not going to let me go, then what can I do? If the people at school aren't going to change, what can I do? If school isn't going to change to accommodate me, what can I do? I can just sit and I can deal with it, I guess. And play basketball. And play, and play basketball, I guess, too. And that's what you did in that moment, right? It's astounding. I want to hear more. Yes. So I went back to the school. Mm. And at this point, I wasn't thinking about how I failed to die. I was thinking about everyone's going to know that I failed to die if they yeah. see my arms. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the school and our, we have a little coach's office in the boys locker room with like bandages, water, all that stuff that you need for sports. And so I just, I had my jacket on it. There's blood coming through it a little bit. I just thought of the first lie I could. My dog scratched me. We did just get a new puppy at the time. So it, it sort of correlated. It's not like the whole, I don't have a cat phenomenon, but my cat scratched me, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I asked for a bandage. I said, my dog scratched me. She's a little young. She's a little excited. She likes to get physical. Something thinking about it now, I know for a fact he didn't believe me. Mm-hmm. The coach just didn't believe me at all. He gave me this look that said, don't do that ever again. I just, I got the bandages and I practiced like usual. Wow. I just put the, I just wrapped them around my arm and everything went back to normal and things were strangely normal after that. And looking back on it now, or at least the last few years, I'm just like, that was a really weird response to have to almost dying. Yeah. But I think at some point I was just so emotionally numb to everything that like, I didn't even feel anything about the fact that I'd failed after that moment, after that moment where I said I I even failed to die. I just Mm -hmm. thought, well, this is just another day that I'm going to have to get through, isn't it? Because if I can't do this now, then chances are I won't be able to do it ever. Yeah. I don't know if there's a normal or typical way to respond to something like that. I hope there's no way to know that. So I don't believe so. I don't think there ever should be too, because if you're generalizing someone like that, like this is how you should respond. It'll only make them feel worse. I I failed and that can make them feel like, well, if I failed and I responded wrong, then I probably should have just died because even after I did something terrible to myself, I still continue to do something wrong. And I thought I would be improved after that. I think a lot of people have the false expectation that after a suicide attempt, someone's instantly better Mm -hmm, or that they feel like they feel better because they tried and they failed. But that's just not the case. I mean, the days after that were hell for me. I bet. I bet. After that basketball practice, I came home, I slept it off, and I woke up like looking at my arm. It's not bleeding anymore, but these cuts are deep. They can hold water. The water was pooling in them in the shower. And I was just like, what did I do? What have I done? How do I cover this up now? Who knows? Uh, my parents know. They don't know everything involving. They don't know how I did it. I decided to keep that to myself because... At the end of the day, I feel like I need to be at peace with it before other people can be. They saw the marks, but they, they did not know that it was a suicide attempt. Got it. Got it. They know that you did something. They don't know that you wanted to end your life. That's true. No one knows that it was actually a suicide attempt. I know. Yep. And maybe and that I think knows. it's good. But that coach knows too. It sounded like he knew something. He didn't specifically say anything, but just, you know, you can read it in people's faces when they're saying something to you, but aren't actually saying it. Yeah. And the look of just extreme doubt in his eyes, he could have believed me. I pretended that he did, but he didn't say otherwise. So I won't really know. Yeah, right. But from intuition and 
learning to read people over the years, he definitely knew something was going on. But if he did, he didn't say anything. What did your parents do or say? The normal response of just, we're going to go to therapy. We're going to talk about it. Like they looked worse than the other ones. But, you know, at that point, I'd been treating them a little more to make them look a bit more like the tiny superficial ones, which they clearly weren't. But at that point, you know, I'm wearing long sleeves to obscure them as much as possible. On game days for basketball, we had to wear like collared shirts with long sleeves and dress pants as they do in most schools these days. So that was a way to get them covered up in school. And they just kind of faded back to what they are now. After three years, they're looking a bit more like normal skin, but they're still these dark lines with little indents from where I tried to die. And I I look at that every day and I say, thank God I didn't. I'm not a religious man, but thank God I didn't. Mm -hmm. It was 2017? I'm assuming it's around 2016, 2017. I don't have an exact day for it because everything I tried to do after that was forget about it. But I do know that that was around the time I was still playing basketball for the JV team. I was still in around the middle school time because I hadn't had my freshman year of high school yet. That's around the time that I can estimate this happened. Did therapy or counseling help? Therapy has been rough. I don't like to open up about stuff to therapists because I'm worried that everything I say is going to be told to someone else. Even though I know that's not the case, I'm worried about you know, my parents are going to know about this when I was told that it would be between me and the therapist, that kind of thing. It's not yeah. that I don't trust my parents. It's just these are things that I like to talk about with a therapist, not my parents, which sure. is why I'm not talking to my parents about it. It's why I'm seeing a therapist. Therapy didn't do much for me, but right now I am working on finding other methods of therapy that aren't just sitting down and talking to a person. Really? Like what? Like DBT or CBT in groups. Those kind of things may be different. This is working as a unit comparing our symptoms and then working on them together, those sorts of things just may be better for me than what just sitting and talking to a person can be when you're worried about so much. Yeah, for sure. Did you go on a, have you ever tried or do you currently take meds for this depression, anxiety or anything? I'm currently taking Zoloft to treat um, depression. And it's not just depression. Recently, we got a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, which has brought a lot into perspective for me of really? you know why I create such strong attachments to people, why I'm scared of people like not talking to me or leaving me, or why mm-hmm. I feel the need to fit in with the group. Those kind of things are explained to me now. It explains why I have such an extreme reaction to people doing things that I'm not comfortable with or my disattachment from groups of people. Because right. that's when those feelings can just feel the worst. So that's been the diagnosis was really helpful for me. So right. yeah. Getting in the right treatments for it was critical. So that's what we're looking into right now. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. And so you said in the last four years, things have changed. Things are better. I think was your word or something like that. Things are, just- are better. I'm reaching yeah, the like- point where I almost have freedom from, from school. Yeah. And then I get to take some time off and do whatever I want to do as an adult, probably learn some life skills. I sure could use those after yeah. sitting inside for a year. You, you don't really learn anything other than sit down, do nothing, wake up, sit down, do nothing. Those kind of things. Those are what I'm well versed at at this point in my life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're going to finish your senior year of high school. Are you online or in person? Uh, We're in person with masks. Got it. As as I believe it should be. I believe that until everything is fixed, we need them. We're we're, we're opening up gradually. And you've got plans to go to college, you know, where you're going, you know, what you want to probably study, right? Mm-hmm. I want to study game design. That's definitely what I'm interested in the most. I've had a few other offers, but that's the one that stands out prominently to me right now. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great. Very, very cool. 
Do you have you met anybody else in your life, again online or offline, who um, whose story overlaps with yours at all? Presumably around the attempted suicide. Do you know people? I uh, I don't. I haven't really sought out that kind of connection because I don't think that we should be swapping stories. I think that listening about it, and listening to it, is a lot different from directly talking to another person who's done it about it, and then. At that point, I think it could be even possibly a destructive spiral is what I'm scared of. We're feeding off each other's negative energy. And then it just devolves into like self-hatred of ourselves yeah. as a direct result of comparing this. That's what I've been worried about. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're, you, got, you got some good awareness, man, about yourself. That's key. That's key. Talking on depression, I feel like it's something that I'd like to do. You know, maybe I'd like to educate other people on it who aren't so aware of it is definitely like a possibility of something that I'd like to do, whether it's just like doing a little talk at a college or something like that at some day, or just sharing my experience, maybe not the suicide aspect, but maybe just the depression aspect. I sure. think the problem is that a lot of people today are falling into a position where people are getting depressed for one reason or another. And you just think, what's the point? And you become cynical. And so you stop trying. I stopped trying because I was just like, well, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And you decay into a person that has no self-respect at all, which is what was going on with me. I just like, I don't respect myself. I'm not worth anything. I don't have yeah. any value. And the longer that it goes on, the longer that you're depressed for your self-respect just kind of erodes even more because you're not looking after yourself. You're not like, oh, I should go for a run or I should spend some time outside. And you're not doing that. It becomes consuming and you're consuming and consuming, whether it's social media or comfort food or things that just aren't good for you. Yeah. And you're just doing anything that will help with suppressing the thought that's telling them, like, what are you doing? You're not who you want to be. You're not getting anywhere. You're stuck. And that thought's the depression. For a lot of people, I think, you know, if you're not respecting yourself, there's not much to you. You're empty and you're just trying to avoid that thought by, you know, watching TV all day. The hole that a lot of people fall into doing drugs or drinking a lot of alcohol. I think that's where that problem can start for a lot of people. A lot, a lot, a lot of people fall into that hole. People get into all kinds of pitfalls and the longer you stay in it, the harder it is to get out because maybe you've tried to get out of that pitfall many times and you failed. So maybe one day you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get my life together instead of let's do it. It becomes, well, I tried to get my life together last Wednesday and here I am in the same position and I've done this like a million times and nothing is changing. And that's where the self-respect erodes even more. Yeah. That's when you're just like, I tried and I failed and I'm not getting anywhere. So what's the point of trying at all? And that's just reinforced in that cycle. It just keeps going and going and going. From there, you just hit rock bottom, which is I'm never getting out of this. I'm pathetic and I accept it. You start identifying with depression and you become what you don't want to be. That's what started happening to me at one point. And you're just spiraling down and down and down and just gets worse the longer you're staying in that situation. And it's really hard to get out of. You have all these negative thoughts building up and then crushing down on you. And it feels like that's all the time. It's this nonstop rush of just these negative spiraling thoughts. Being real, I think there is definitely ways out, not ones that require anything like drastic or out of reach. I think you have to want to get out. I had trouble wanting to get out because like it's worth, I feel worthless. So it's like, this is what I deserve. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's not true to people out there thinking that it's not true. We were all put here. We weren't accidents. Like there's a reason you are here. I've always believed that not in a spiritual way, but just because like you are here, why would you, why would you be here for no reason? You have to want to get out. And it's, it's a difficult thing for a lot of people. You have to truly want it because the thing about wanting to get out of it when you're in that state is that it's terrifying. It makes you feel like even more of a, like a failure. You feel even worse about yourself because you know, you could be better, but you're not. 
and you just ignore that and you keep letting yourself down and you get numb to it. And at that point, you just, you just feel even more hopeless. And for a lot of people, it's safer to feel like that than thinking I could be a lot more, but here I am messing up again. And when you're sick of that feeling, you decide to abandon it. And that's when progress begins to be made. Cause it's like the whole journey of a thousand miles begins with a step. And I think that's the first step is like, I'm actually bored of being depressed. I'm bored of feeling bad. Like I'm tired of it. I'm really tired of it. Yeah. But you think about people just getting into this mindset and they're thinking, oh, well, if I start now, I could probably get out of this in a couple of months, but then something can stop them and they spiral and you look at it and you're like, well, what about now? I took so many steps backward that my journey is way longer. That one step is now one in a thousand instead of one in a hundred. You're apprehensive. You're intimidated by that climb. At the same time, you're still falling. You're still going even further down. And the advice I have to that is what helped me get out of this, what helped me feel better is the days that come by where you feel like I want to do something. This is enough of this. Mm-hmm. When you feel that frustration, when you feel that like just being so tired of it, don't kill yourself. Seize those days and do something with them. Go for the run you wanted to take last week or go outside or just like clean up your room or take a shower. Take all the dishes down from your room that you've been trapping yourself in, the ones that you've been looking at for weeks and say, this is something I do. I'm going to clean after myself because I respect myself. That's what I said, even if I didn't believe it at the time. And now here I am, like I feel a lot better. From there, you just have to take it a little bit at a time. You just have to keep taking it and you just keep going. All right, well, I'll do a little bit more. I'll do a little more. And you build the momentum. You don't crush yourself down again when that momentum slips. Just, just keep an eye on it and keep going. And you know, there's probably a good chance that like what happened with me, you'll mess up and you'll want to retract a little bit, but you have to understand what you really want for yourself. And you have to understand that that's getting better, not staying in the cycle. You have to take steps to get there or you're not going to respect yourself and you're not going to get better. And that's the realization that got me out of what I was going through. Yeah, You can begin your journey and you just become more and more empowered and all that negative stuff. It's going to get flipped on its head. And instead of look at where I am now. I feel so bad. Nothing's happening. It'll become, look how far I've come. Look at all the progress I've made. When you start thinking like that, you're really getting a good start. And you just have to remember the power of self-respect and action. Action's really important. For sure. Yeah. What are the um, odds? And you've heard the podcast, so you know I tend to ask certain questions. I think I know the answer to this question, but I, oh, I still want to ask it. What are the odds that you might try again? The odds right now are absolute zero. I'm doing things I didn't think I could ever do. Like I've been accepted into colleges. I'm at my senior year. I never thought I would make it this far. I thought I'd either be a dropout or dead by now, Mm. back when I was thinking these thoughts. And now it's like, these aren't thoughts I'm having at all. I'm not even thinking like, oh, this is terrible. This isn't worth it. I mean, I still get down. Everyone gets down. But I think once you've learned that discipline of, I'm looking back at it, I'm like, look how far I've come. It doesn't become, I want to die. It becomes, I want to make the change now so I don't have to worry about it later. So if something's bothering me in my life, I'm not going to sit with it. I'm going to say, let's take care of this now so that we don't have to worry about it later. Yeah. The other question I often ask uh, is, given you've gone through this, your lived experience, what is a or perhaps more than one myth associated with these uh, this stuff that you want to call bullshit on, if any? I want to call bullshit on that people who are about to commit suicide are always upset okay? or they're always like in a state of really like emotional stuff before a suicide. Cause I feel like there've been plenty of times where people are like reported for trying to commit suicide that are just upset on a day 
and they just end up getting like the police called on them or they end up like getting a counselor at school called on them. It happened to me a few times. I was in an emotional state and they assumed I was going to kill myself because of it. I want to say that that's just not the case. Like everyone who's upset is not going to commit suicide. Often before committing suicide, people feel like at their highest because they feel like they're finally going to get freed of it, get freed of living. That's what was happening with me in that moment. I was just so numb to it. I wasn't upset. I wasn't sad. I was like, I'm just done. That why would I feel anything at all about it if I'm done? So I want to make sure that that's something that's dispelled right away is that I wasn't upset. I was just so numb to everything that I was just walking around with a smile on my face, acting like nothing was wrong because nothing was wrong. I was going to be free. Hmm. What else is on your mind? That's kind of all there was for the experience. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm grateful that I went through it, but I'm definitely grateful I lived. Definitely grateful that I had that time to feel bad because I don't think if I didn't feel bad, I wouldn't feel so good right now. Because I think people take feeling bad as this, this terrible thing that needs to be extinguished. Like people think that if I don't, if I don't ever feel bad again, then I'll truly be happy. But I think without that experience, I might still be suicidal right now. I think without failing to do that and seeing how, how hard it was after, I'm even more dispelled from doing it. I'm thinking now that I have stuff in my life, having stuff in my life that like I'm living for definitely helps. Like having a future in place definitely helps. And I think that without that experience, I might be more inclined in the future if things go bad to do it again, because you get that discipline. The discipline I was talking about, not the discipline like, you know, waiting for something or the discipline of, you know, the just general discipline can be, the word can be misinterpreted. It's the discipline of knowing like, knowing yourself, knowing what your limits are, but that also just because you're past your limits at one point doesn't mean that it's going to subside soon. And that the limits that you have then, like the limits I had when I was 14, I'm still developing. I'm still really emotional. I'm going through these things we don't understand. The limits that I had back then have expanded because I'm taking medication. I'm actively seeking treatment. I've been diagnosed so I can understand myself better. Those limits have expanded for me. Mm -hmm. I think you have to wait for that before you can even think about doing something like that. You have to know your limits, but you also have to wait for them to expand and for your comfort zone to expand as well. Life begins outside of your comfort zone, not in it. You got, I love this. Well, you got, you're dropping words of wisdom, my friend, Dave. I love it. You're a good man. I study a smart lot of guys, smart guy for what? 17, you 17, uh, 17. Yeah. Turning 18 in November. Good man. Nice. Well, I am glad and grateful that you didn't, um, complete that act and it didn't work out. Uh, because I think Me in addition well. to being able to potentially live a, a life you want to live, even for my own selfish purposes, people hear this, uh, and no doubt will, will learn from it, perhaps be inspired by it, whatever it might be. That's why I do the podcast. So, uh, I hope that like listening to me can help other people feel better because that's all I've ever wanted to do was inspire change. That's why I'm studying game development because games changed my life in a way. I'm playing oh, wow. all these, these story games that have these fantastic storylines. And I'm like, I could get involved in that. And those help me get through a hard time of just living in another character's body for a little bit, kind of put into perspective my own life. And that maybe it doesn't have to be as bad as we, we make it out to be in our heads. Before we go, here's my last question. Do you have ideas for a character or a game or a storyline that you would be willing to share? Because, of course, there are people who might swipe your idea. I don't uh -huh. think they'll be listening to this podcast, but uh, I would love to know what's in your mind about stuff like that. Because I don't know much about gaming at all. 
I'm trying to come up with a game that can tell a narrative of letting go, not just of a loved one in your life who might have passed or something that you're you're desperately holding on to that's no longer with you. I mean, I'll put it in like this. I am an internet user a lot of the time. I go on the internet. I see things. I wake up in the morning and browse Twitter and get upset. <laughs> it's just how it goes. Yeah. I don't think anyone can wake up in the morning and browse Twitter and be happy with it because it's just not good. Sure. I think that looking at internet culture these days, it's really bad. We're taking our anger out on people with no remorse because we're not in front of them. And they can't do anything about it. And I think that I want to develop a game after college that tells a story of letting go of all these small things that we're holding on to for no good reason that we don't even know why we're holding on to. Like, do you, those people arguing on Twitter, do they know why they're mad even? Do they know what they're talking about? Or is it just, I don't agree with you, so therefore I hate you. Mm-hmm. I want to make a game about hate and how it's not necessary in the world. That's what I plan to do after college. Does the character have a name? Or the characters, do any of them have a name? Um, No, but I think I might name them after real life people too like the girl that was getting harassed in high school who i was talking about like one of my friends i might name a character after her because we started talking again recently and she seems like she's uh, doing well and i'm glad yeah hell yeah and does it have a place or a location i'm thinking boston oh a city okay boston's a lovely like, city I, in my yeah. in my homely state i feel like boston doesn't get the recognition it deserves as a city sometimes all right real names boston i love the idea man and yeah, we're good. I appreciate it, man. Really, I do. And when are you going back to school? When does high school start again? Senior year? Uh, Thursday. All right. We squeezed it in. We did. I'm glad we did. All right, man. I'll I appreciate to- your time. This was great. I enjoyed Thank this you, a lot. Dave. I it appreciate it. good to get it out time. there. Keep in touch. All right. I will do. Take care. Take care, man. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to Dave up in Massachusetts. Thank you, Dave, and hope school goes well. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. And check the show notes if you'd like to help us out with a financial contribution. We could use a little help. Thanks so much. That is all for episode number 73. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.